Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I.co. Hey guys, today Noel and I are going to talk about something I have um, none of, and that is ethics. That's not true. <laughs> ethics is everything when it comes to coaching. This is a very important topic. And I think that the word ethics is scary for people, but really it's something that we thread into our everyday lives. It's part of being human. And when we're thinking about a professional discipline, all that we're talking about is creating space for intention. Yes, and I gotta say, uh, I, I think the reason why it's more important with coaching is because when it comes to um, the clinical world, there's there's such a uh, board and and there's so many uh, uh, you know rules you have to follow. But with coaching, because uh, there that doesn't exist, you have to hold your own standards. Exactly, and and coaching is an emerging field, and so there's lots of room for snake oil in all of the new spaces before things become regulated. And who knows, coaching may never be regulated. Yes, and um, it's funny you say snake oil. I think that's what gives coaching a bad rap. I think um, the lack of ethics, uh, because it's the wild, wild west with coaching, is what um, it, it's why people judge it so much. Yeah, it is, and yeah. and I don't think coaching is alone. I think that the tech industry has been emerging at the same time. And sure. the same lens of ethics and regulations and, oh, hey, what have we been up to is just starting to get applied. So just like anything, as it begins to emerge, a certain structure has to form and be given to it. Um, and the structure is there just so that people inside and outside of the field can make sense of it and understand how to relate to it. Yeah, you know, without the structure, without the ethics, um, it's hard to build trust because then it just becomes too too casual, too slanted, um, too biased. Yeah, yep. So let's begin with um, my favorite source, Wikipedia, definition of what ethics is, because I think that's important to start out with as a foundation. And ethics is a moral philosophy. It's actually a branch of philosophy, which I didn't realize. And it involves systematizing, defending, and recommending concepts of right and wrong conduct. So when we're talking about um, coaching, uh, how, how, does, how does defending and recommending uh, concepts of right or wrong conduct, how does that apply to coaching? Well, interestingly, the first thing that came to my mind when I read that definition was the work that you do around dating. And in many ways, as you're putting out content into the world, you're defending your view of it and recommending concepts of right and wrong for other people to do. Like, I know you've been very vocal about ghosting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's that's because uh, um, um, a lot of clients that I've seen, I've seen the impact of, of, of what ghosting does to people and how it affects their self-esteem and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I've been a big, big um a big advocate of not ghosting, but having the courage to, yeah, it's been, it's been one of the flags I've been waving. Yeah. And so you've been creating an ethical code for dating in the new century. Right. Right. 
Right. And so, you know, that's really what it's about. And, and what we're talking about is it's taking a look at something and saying, okay, you know, are there standards, are there systems, and are there things that are right or wrong? So when we're talking about coaching, and this is, um, this is a beginner's podcast on the ethics of coaching, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at definitions, and we're going to look at boundaries. And those are very boring words, definitions and boundaries, but it helps us orient our place in the world. Yeah, it gives us some foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these definitions are adapted from the ICF. And the ICF has a really great code of ethics. And one of the things that I have been really impressed with in the last year is that they've revised it to be looking at different aspects of intersectionality and how um, people face real and true limitations in the world with access and uh, access to capital, access to education, access to housing, access to um, all of the things that create a whole life. And so I'm, I'm proud of the work that they're doing and I'm delighted to share this work. So getting into definitions, first off, we have the client. And that's pretty clear. That is the individual, the team, the group, or the organization that is being coached. And that's a straightforward definition. And um, I think that where that can get confusing is when you're doing group work, you know, who is the client? Oh, right, right. So I mean, and also, if you are seeing if you're coaching a couple, you know, the the, the, the couple is the unit, they are the client. Um, so if you are coaching a couple, I don't believe it would be ethical that you see one of the, the, the you know, one of them on the side. So exactly. And, um, when I've done couples work, uh, when I've had my first appointment with a couple, I've told them that the way that I, Noelle, see this work is that there's, um, person A, person B, and the relationship is a living, breathing entity that sits in the middle. And I am here in the service of the relationship, not the individual's. Yes, I love that. That is um, so clear, and I think that's so important. At the same time, um, if everyone is, you know, in agreement, um, and this is me, this is I, John Kim. Uh, you can see uh, each each person individually. I think you coach them as well as do sessions where they come together, and then you're coaching their their relationship too. Oh, sure. And that's, that is um, a great process flow to do one, two, and then come together, one, two, and come together. Um, So guys, this is what we're talking about. We're starting to put systems and boundaries around ethics of coaching. And that was just a really beautiful exchange about how to ethically work with a couple. I I love, I love that you said, I Noel, and I said, I John, because uh, we have our own ethics. And also, you know, I want to stay on my side of the fence and respect your ethics, you know, Yep. And and it's and this is where you get to be yourself in the field of coaching and do this work up front to define for yourself how you want to work. So next up when we're talking about definitions is the definition of coaching and how you define coaching for yourself really largely depends on how you work. Are you credentialed through a specific organization? Um, Are you certified through a specific school that has its own ethics and standards? Are you out there kind of like swinging on your own, developing your own techniques based on self-study? So to me, coaching is a strategic partnership. 
And it is a partnership where I come together with a client and we work on their life in partner in a co-equal partnership with each other. It is not a romantic, intimate partnership. No, that's <laughs> Let's actually... Let's make that clear. <laughs> yeah, no. That, is, that would be unethical. That And that, that goes down to the boundaries. That's actually, you know, one of the boundaries, and that's an ethical question. So I was in an ethics training, and this was the scenario that was put forth, is you start working with a new client, and you kind of start to realize that person's really cool, and you're like, wow, like that person's awesome. You, you like them a little bit. Um, and they, your client says to you, Hey, I'm going to go out with a bunch of my friends after work. It's a professional engagement. A lot of cool colleagues. Do you want to come and join? What do you say? Yes or no? Um, this is actually kind of gray because what, what made it tricky is you saying it's a professional, uh, uh an event. Um, uh, but I would say, no, I don't, I don't usually engage socially with my clients. Yep, you're right. And yeah. and the the linchpin here, the thing that we're looking for was your own internal feelings that you were starting to like this person. So that that so that you were aware that that you were crossing the line in that way and had to draw the line and say no, no thank you. Thank you for the invite, but no thank you. Yes. Now um, now, now here's the thing, you know, um in the clinical world, there is a rule that after 2 years of not um, seeing your client, then you could establish a friendship or, or even an intimate relationship. Now with coaching, it, it kind of is up to you, right? To create that role. Well, it, de it again, it depends. It absolutely depends on, on if you hold a credential and the standards that you adhere to. So in coach land, um, the standard is that there's no romantic relationship between coach and client. And if romantic feelings occur, even down to individuals who might be working for you, such as support staff, you must terminate the coaching relationship. And it's customary to wait a period of time, but I haven't seen anything really specific. At one point, I saw language floating around that was like, wait a year, wait two years. Um, but I think that really right now, the line is terminate the coaching relationship. Yes. Got it. Yeah. And so how about um, conflict of interest? This is an interesting one. Yeah, conflict of interest. So describe that in the coaching so world. A conflict of interest is a situation um, in where a coach is involved in multiple interests involving a client where that work could be in conflict. So if he could be financial, personal, or otherwise, it would be like um, your you know, mother-in-law coming to you and saying, you know, will you coach me? Or um, you working with a client who happens to be the fund manager of a place where you have invested a lot of money. Yeah. So in the therapy world, this is called a dual relationship, mm -hmm. right? So um, you're, and, and this is also why um, it's really, it's, 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 it's complicated to coach your friends. Yes. You know? Yes. Because there is a dual relationship there. There is a conflict. Can, I mean, but is, is that, um, is that a firm boundary? Is that a firm, is it unethical to coach a friend? Because I, I know many coaches that eventually end up doing it once in a while. 
Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, what I would describe as a hallway conversation or a casual conversation where, you know, I've had instances where my friend is just like falling apart and I'm like, okay, you know, game time. What is the outcome you desire right now? You know, I'm, I'm going into coach mode, but we don't have a contract. There's been no exchange of money or barter. Um, I'm just using my skills in the moment to help someone. So I think those are very different contexts. Yeah. So throughout the years, um, I have coached uh, people who I've been friendly with in fitness communities. Um, I've never given them therapy, but they've never been like my day to day friends. Yep. So that's more of an acquaintance, more of somebody that you know, somebody in your life. Um, and and conflict of interest is, you know, I think the rule here is just keep everything on the up and up. If there's a dual relationship, have the conversation, disclose it, um, disclose that you have a financial stake or professional stake in, you know, whatever entity that your client is involved in. If it's a friendship, you know, have that conversation. The, what I teach our coaches in the intensive is don't have a formal coaching relationship with anyone with whom you're not willing to lose. Mm. Right, right. Absolutely. Because when you're coaching, that relationship changes, the dynamic of that relationship changes. And it could, it could affect the friendship or whatever relationship you have. Yeah, absolutely. So and, and that's a that's something to sit down with somebody about and be like, listen, you know, this is this is a professional relationship and things will shift and change as we go. What about I want to squeeze this in here. What about bartering? Oh, bartering's totally legit. Yeah, because um, even even in the therapy world, um, it is okay to barter. Like so, um, you know, so someone in exchange for services, right? Yep, bartering yeah. is is a hundred percent legit. Um, the the caveat there is we're looking to make sure that it, however you have bartered, your view of that exchange does not impact the quality of the service that you're providing. So if, if you're bartering for some, you know, really delicious, fresh baked cookies, you're going to make sure that you are providing the same level of service that you would for a thousand an hour. That's something that I would do is I would barter a session for delicious uh, treats, sweets, donuts, Guys, and cookies. Guys, you heard it here first. John <laughs> is willing to barter for Wow. Cookies. You just threw me under the bus, Noel. You, you threw yourself under the bus, babe. It, oh, it, it was so seamless. <laughs> All right, guys, bring it on. Bring me the cookies at your session. I'm down for, for yeah. today only. Yeah. Um, equality. Quality. Equality is, this is where we're getting into talking about, um, you know, intersectionality. There is a, a very um, real context where People experience um, differences in inclusion. They experience differences in access to resources and opportunity. Um, they experience differences based on ableism, race, ethnicity, national origin, color, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, religion, immigration status, mental or physical disability, and other areas of difference. So when we're talking about equality in coaching from an ethical perspective, it is an acknowledgement that this stuff is real, that these are real barriers that people face and they cause stagnation and pain. And from a coaching perspective, you have to put that stuff on the table and treat it as real. <clears throat> right. Absolutely. And I think uh, you, you, you have to 
um, being intentional about it, right? Uh, because you're also going to be triggered. You're also going to not be able to relate uh, possibly because of um, any of these things, you know, socioeconomic or uh, gender or uh, sexual orientation, all of that stuff. So you as a coach have to have to do the work. You have to do the work. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that is on the side of coaches is that our job is to ask questions and to get curious. And if we don't understand something to make sure that we keep asking questions until we feel informed and until our client feels heard, seen and understood. And, and that's where we meet. Um, ignoring things that are real barriers for folks is where we cross the line as coaches. Um, I have another one that's tricky in the tricky land along with um, access and equality and that is um, sponsorship in coaching. Oh, interesting. What do you mean by yeah. that? What happens when somebody else pays for your client oh, to go I get through that the coaching that. process? Yeah. So I will get a uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, someone who wants to buy uh, a session for their partner, their friend, you know, their mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this also works in the professional realm where a, a boss might hire a coach for their employee. And this is where defining upfront um, reporting and confidentiality is incredibly important because there needs to be a confidential space between coach and client. And if there is a sponsor that feels that they have a right or access to reporting, they may. So you need to define that upfront between coach, client, and sponsor so that everyone is clear. And if you're in a position where you as a coach feels that the sponsor is crossing boundaries and pushing for information that you're just not comfortable disclosing on behalf of your client, then everybody has to go back to the table and renegotiate. And, and this is why it's important when the sponsor purchases a session, you have to tell the sponsor that the session will be confidential. Yes. You know, and laid up front. When you're, when you're working, um, in, you know, in realms where there is an aspect of reporting. So even like, say, I'm thinking athletics, I'm thinking um, business, I'm thinking education. If the sponsor has a legitimate interest in seeing the client move forward, they're going to need to know what those markers are, what those milestones are, and they're going to need evidence that the coaching is succeeding. And so you need to be prepared to be subject coach and client to scrutiny and reporting. And that's, it's not something to be scared of. It's just something to be clear around. What about support personnel? Yeah. So support personnel would be anybody that works for you in support of your clients. So if you have a virtual assistant, if you have somebody um, that helps you with your emails or your filing or your taxes or um, anything where someone would have access to client name or client data, that person can get you into trouble <laughs> as well. So it is, um, it is customary to not disclose the name um, or any other kind of identifying information about your client. And so your support staff is an extension of you in this way. I think I spoke too soon, Noel. When we started this podcast, I was bragging to Noel what a 
how much um, energy I felt and the cough is gone and apparently it's still lingering. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you've okay. been really sick, so I'm... It's okay. I'm, I'm glad you're, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you're upright, you're walking. <laughs> yes, yes, we're having, we're having a real conversation. It's, it's all good. Um, now let's, good. let's, uh, let's, let's um, flip it and talk about boundaries. Yeah. So we just went through, you know, all of the definitions that you have to be aware of in coaching that give you um, context and kind of guidelines for how to function. And then boundaries really protect you as a coach and help the coaching engagement to flow. So first up is creating a coaching agreement, the contract regarding the roles, responsibilities, and rights of everybody involved. This is client sponsor. And this typically happens before or at the point of and sale. And it's better to have this on, on paper written. Um, a verbal agreement is, I mean, it's still an agreement, but it's not as effective. It is not as effective. Um, it is not as effective. And in fact, a, a, a contract in writing is what will tip your coaching relationship into the realm of a professional coaching relationship versus a casual friendship coaching relationship. And, you know, here's a simple example. If uh, you don't have any uh, wording on your website or on your payout page about uh, what happens when um, someone doesn't show up and, you know, because of the internet and so many sessions happening online, do they get their money back? Do they not get their money back? Is there, you know, a 24 hour cancellation period? Like all of that stuff uh, should be presented and, and it falls under the, uh, the umbrella of boundaries. Oh, yeah. So your coaching agreement is going to be the most protective document that you have. It's going to specify how you work, when you work, who you work with, how you get paid, um, when you get paid, the fact that coaching is not therapy, the fact that coaching is not mentoring or consulting. If you work in dual ways as a therapist, a mentor or a consultant, you might want to specify the particular coaching techniques that you use in your contract just to be sure that you're really validating with the client this is what's going to take place this is what's going to happen and your coaching agreement also covers confidentiality um, so coaching is not a privileged discipline like therapy or law or medicine so if you were ever called to testify about one of your clients you would have to answer truthfully within reason of your memory Speaking of confidentiality, I uh, I recently um, made the mistake. It wasn't a huge mistake, but um, I did a consultation with um, a pretty big celebrity, and I may or may not have mentioned it to Noel via Slack. I'm not sure, but I thought about that. And I was like, wait a minute, because you know, we're, you know, we're friends, we're business partners. It's casual. I think it was a big big deal, but it is because even something like that, just mentioning a name, even though I'm not talking about the session. Um, that's conf, conf, that should be confidential. It's the fact that that people are engaged in the coaching process, and and it and if you get permission from your client, you know, hey, like, you know, is it okay with you right, if right. I let people know that we're working together? And they're like, yeah, sure, I love our work. That's not a problem. Yes, um, and I think it's because I think it's because uh, we're, I'm not giving him therapy. I thought, oh, you know, it's coaching. It's okay. Um, but you're right. If now this person posts on social media you know, uh, John Kim is my coach and we're, we're doing well, whatever, then he's already broken that. So it's okay. Yeah. And, and I really, um, I take this 
uh, a lot further, even with the way that, um, that I work today. So I find for the way that I work, um, deep listening is the key to my coaching ability. And I really want my clients to be anonymous in as many ways as they can. So I only work by phone. I don't see their faces. If I know that they're very high level executives, unless they offer it, I don't ask where they work. Yeah, I don't. I actually, that's better for me to not know um, their resume or who they are. It's hard if they're a celebrity because they're famous, but I, I like to not know who they are and then discover it through the process because it makes me um, go into it so neutral. And as humans, you know, even if we, even though we don't want to be judgmental, there's always some kind of judgment going on. Exactly. So it helps me clear my own bias and just really meet somebody on a completely naked human level. And I've, I found that to be so enjoyable. And I've had a couple um, high profile people who have pushed me on it. And then once we really got into it, they were like, wow, I never get to experience invisibility like this. Thank you so much. Mm, sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So having a clear understanding about how all of this information is exchanged, whether it's the contract or their names or confidentiality or um, privilege, that all needs to be talked about, you know, in one way or another. And that just goes into expectations. And when everybody's on the same page, that's when you can go forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another place where I think boundaries come up is when somebody is working as an internal coach for an organization. And a lot of times businesses do this because it's too expensive to hire an individual coach to work with an individual employee. So they hire one coach to work with many. And this is where it gets really tricky because there are interpersonal relationships, there are office dynamics, the coach basically becomes part of the team, there are managers, there's reporting, and there's all of the messy stuff um, that happens just with being human. And so as a coach, what you need to do is really start assessing and getting strong with your intuition of what do your own boundaries look like? What topics are off limits? How should you be reporting? Who do you have responsibility to? How about records, confidentiality? Um, and and that's that's a hard role to fill. If I were facing down that role, I would I would maybe think twice about it <laughs> because that gets really tricky. Yeah, and also. Um... I've had the privilege to run a few retreats and that's another space where uh, boundaries can be, you know, blurred, uh, especially at retreats where you're on an exotic location. If it's guards are down, it feels like a vacation. People are super open. And if you're running the retreat, if you're running groups, um, you have to set set boundaries. You have to set boundaries. And, and I think too, um, that goes into self-disclosure as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah because you can, you know, people project. And so just keeping a really tight lid on things is super important. And I know that, um, that this can be intimidating at first, but again, you're hearing from John and I, we're 10 year, um, veterans in the field. This is a muscle that you build. Oh yeah. Just like yeah. anything else. I've made and, so and many, so many mistakes. I've blurred the line so many times and then, and then, uh, realizing my mistake and then correcting it. So it's not about bashing yourself. It's about learning. Yeah. And, and it, and it really comes, it's, it's your intuition. It is your internal compass that will always tell you, 
uh, where to turn and how to go. So just get comfortable talking to that internal voice and saying, all right, you know, what feels right, what feels wrong. Um, I just had a revelation that my entire career has been built upon blurring lines, taking people on walks and things that, that, you know, people may question (laughs) and I, I and I have to make sure that there's boundaries in place or, or, uh, you know, it goes from unconventional to unethical. (laughs) Can we put that song on loop and have it follow you around, you know, as you bop through LA? Yeah, I mean, my, you know, the the mad scientist, the the little twelve year old that wants to play with Legos, it's it's coming from an, a a a good place. But um, yes, I gotta I gotta be you gotta be careful as well. You gotta be careful, and and I think you're being a little bit um, hard on yourself. You know, I I know you pretty well. Uh, we were roommates at one point, and I've watched your practices, and and I I think you're I think you're being a little down on yourself right now. Um, but I mean, there is that line between experimentation and that oh fuck moment, right? Yeah. And this is guys why um, people like John have friends like me, because I am a walking human caution sign. And the, usually the first words out of my mouth are no, mm, right. <laughs> no, we're not Absolutely. doing that. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so as we're kind of winding down here, um, it's just, you know, nuts and bolts stuff that we really have to get in like you know to keep your records in a safe and locked place um to dispose of records once you're you're getting rid of them disclose to clients if you're getting paid off for referring them to third parties it's just keeping things on the up and up and as long as everything is transparent and everyone's clear you're good yeah, and you know, I got to say, you know, maybe not a super sexy conversation about coaching this morning, but a super important one. And this is going to be what creates uh, uh, the foundation, the nuts and bolts, you know, the tracks that you're going to lay. And as a practice, this is what's going to keep you protected and also uh, professional. Yes. And it's important to talk about and to, you know, shine some light on it. So while no, it's not the sexiest topic in the world, um, it could be. It could be. It's subjective. It, be. it depends. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> label it. Um, but anyway, guys, if you are interested in coaching, uh, this is definitely uh, important. If you're already coaching, you probably know a lot of this. Uh, check out our journey coaching and uh, we cover all this and a lot more. Um, and also, if you enjoy our uh, weekly dialogue, uh, give us a review. Uh, maybe hit some stars or a review, and that uh, definitely helps us spread the word. Aw, that would be awesome. I, Whenever I get a chance to talk to our listeners, it's like family. So I would appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, guys. Be well. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.